Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play podcast, episode number 11. I'm David Turner, and I'll be joined today by my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers, Alan Jones, Darren Parr, and Mark Hollywood. The premise of these podcasts is that we pick a theme and then each have to choose four songs or albums. In today's show, we're going to continue where we left off in episode 11, choosing duets. A quick note about this show as I did manage to quote the wrong lyrics from a song by Serge Gainsbourg. Um, they actually came from a different song, so they're out of place. But we decided to leave it in as it did generate great chat and laughter and it would be lost to us all if we removed it. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Good morning, everyone. Here we go again. Um, let's start off with some hellos. Uh, good morning to Alan. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yaki da. I'm from sunny, uh, sunny Luton this morning. Yeah. And uh, sort of recovering a little bit from the night before. Uh, you're celebrating Wales's one or draw? Yeah, the night before that was record score day, so I haven't had a lot of sleep. Um, so. Um, okay. If you see me getting out the matchsticks, it's <laughs> hold my eyes open. You are in standard rock star sunglasses. I am. Which yeah. is good. And Darren, hey there, how are you doing, Darren? Morning, morning, everybody. Yeah, um, equally as tired after the record store day yesterday, which was brilliant, but I'm sure we'll talk about that at length at some point. Yeah. Um, just, and thanks to you guys for accommodating us so early today. I'm off to watch Tom Hingley at 12 o'clock today from having Spiral Carpets fame. Um, so I appreciate this is an early start at half past nine, but thanks, guys. We're supposed to be nine o'clock. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, what? No, Alan. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think one of the members did the usual and said, can we, you know, I'm running late. <laughs> okay, time to bring in Mark. Mark Hollywood, good morning. Always a pleasure to see you. How are you doing? Margin White and a Berkeley August McCallany from uh, not quite not quite uh, sunny yet Edinburgh. I think we're still still waking up here. And yeah, thanks for accommodating uh, nine thirty instead of nine nine o'clock, which is absolutely sacrilegious on a Sunday morning. I mean, <laughs> I should be at, I should be at chapel to be honest with you, but uh, I'm not. That's not Dave Chapel. And, uh, not Dave Chapel, big call out to Dave Chapel there. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I like your I like your van the man look. Even so, I mean, any other time you'd say it's cool, but based on recent events, you look like a total knob, Alan. Uh, no, this is um, my Paddy McLoon look for Prefab Sprout. I keep telling you. Ah, uh, yeah, nice. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're all, all is forgiven. No way am I trying to be van the man. <laughs> Rob Swan, was it? Yeah. Ron Swanson. Swan dangerous. Paddy McLoon, you your fellow uh, Southern Irish uh, brother in arms. <laughs> Let's just move on, I think, oh. at that point. <laughs> um, so we... That's from last night. <laughs> so uh, in the last episode, we did eight of the 16 duets. We each called out two of those. And a quick reminder, we define duets as a, a singer with a band, not a, a well-known or... A couple so it wouldn't be peters and lee or other duets the everly brothers or the like well there's a couple of people on our facebook site or and me. <laughs> yeah that, that, that wouldn't be a duet either i don't think um, no. actually a couple uh, down a couple of people in the queue yesterday when we talked about this um they were coming up with 
bands that played together. I don't know if they would be qualified. So like Motorhead and and yeah. uh, Girl was it? Yeah, Girl School. Well, I see. I poo-pooed. I was going to do the Stranglers and some for mine. Yes, I don't think. Yeah, I would. As a duo, it's more of a collaboration, I guess. Yeah, I struggle with that a little bit. Fun Boy Three and Banana Rama, or Banana Rama and Fun Boy Three, the sequel. Yes, he's still no. I still don't think that doesn't seem right to me. Okay, I don't think that's in the spirit of duets. No, no, controversial. And I don't think we have any that fall in that category. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, Van the Man, why don't you lead us off? Right, so my third choice is the uh, Stranglers and Simple Minds, uh, famous duo. <laughs> uh, there, get a grip on yourself. Uh, no, this one was actually released on the 17th of May 1978, no doubt, on the famous RCA label, RCO label. So, you think about that label, it looks like a little sort of pig, not really, maybe a bear or something like that, but it's a classic label. Um, and it's the classic, it's taken from the classic film Grease, and you won't be, you'll, you'll be surprised to know I've actually seen this one, this film. I haven't seen many, but I've seen Grease, and I actually went to see the film twice in the same week. It's the best the best-selling single in history, apparently. What? 15 million, uh, notably uh, covered in the same year by Arthur Mullard and Hilda Baker. <laughs> yes. And Alan's got one million of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, You're the One That I Want by John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Now, I think the word duets covers these two um, yeah. admirably. Um, I mean, the, the film itself is a pretty, uh, it's more of it's a musical, isn't it, really? And um, the backdrop to all this is uh, Travolta playing Danny Zuko, who's trying to express himself, um, you know, going through you know, puberty, I suppose. Uh, and, he's, and he's basically uh, gets aroused by this new girl who comes to school. Uh, but he then realizes that he actually met her on the beach in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to act cool with his, uh, you know, fellow T Bird uh, guys and uh, kind of gives, gives her the, um, the cold shoulder initially. Um, but it's not until towards the end of the film um, where Sandy suddenly comes out of the shell and she's she's gone from this sort of timid-looking schoolgirl into some, you know, you know, nothing short of uh, sex on a stick, really. And um, you know, especially you know. I can remember watching, uh, seeing the film, and then of course the, when we got to number one, it was played on top of the pops for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the video, and she looks as though she's poured into those black tight <laughs> leggings, um, and then she, you know, she walks down the, I forget which one it is, she walks down something, uh, maybe this off the steps of the ghost house or something like that. 
and uh, she's got the cigarette in her mouth and she just puts it on the floor, she stamps it out. And here, uh, Danny Zuko says, Sandy, and she says, tell us about it, Stern. <laughs> tell me about it, Stern. And, um, and then, of course, they go for this song. And um, everybody knows the words. Everybody's danced to it at one stage. It's a classic duo, as I say, one of the biggest selling singles in music history. And um, you people walking, watching at home, <laughs> there is a HMV special edition of, uh, of it in pink vinyl. Nice. If I can get a close-up of the RCO. Oh, yeah. Pink little bear type yeah. thing. Never know what it's that is. Hybrid. Yeah. So uh, there's my very short uh, dedication to You're the Wonder I Want by John Travolta and uh, Olivia Newton John, also covered by, as I say, Arthur Mollard and Hilda Baker. Yeah, very, very close runner up there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost as good as the original. I, 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 just had a, I, just, I just had a flashback to that. <clears throat> I had a flashback to the cover version. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, I think she was walking down the steps of Venice High School, which is famous. I think it's been in a few films. Venice High School? Not Hilda Baker. Yeah, in, in, in Los Angeles. Oh, not Hilda Baker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she was in... Um, they were in... Yeah, they were in like a fun like park, eh? A theme park type thing. I had Hilda Skelter in my head. I thought it was a statue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they were at, they were at a, a fair, weren't they? They yeah, were at a fair yeah. at the end. Yeah. I, I prefer to when she looked like, um, you know, Sandy with the, you know, I'm with you. the innocent look. I'm I was you, quite Mark. put off her. Uh, yeah, I was quite put off her in her, her leathers. Well, you, well you, you, you didn't go for that. No, I turned her down, man. Turned her down. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'd take anything you would. Well, well I mean, sex on a, sex on a, sex on a stick. <laughs> Sex on a stick. I've never heard of that saying before. Well, she is beautiful. Olivia Newton-John still is beautiful. So, if, so she phones you up tonight and says, oh, Mark, fancy, you know. No, sorry. Much preferred you. I'd say, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say I'm walking the dog and I'm going to be late. <laughs> As you'd say, Just like yeah, this morning. That's exactly that. That's exactly you down to the tea. <laughs> so, Alan, how old are they supposed to be? In the in the film, hmm? how old were they supposed to be in the film? Is that like eighteen? Well, I think they're, well, they're in high school, aren't they? It's Rydell. Yeah. Give them hell, Rydell. And um, do we have a guess at the ages? I think they're supposed to be about sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Okay, I've got a little list here of, of of their actual ages when it was filmed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so John Travolta, how old do we think he was? Was he the? Uh, I think I, I think he was about twenty six. Yeah, he was a bit older, didn't he? He was actually twenty-three. Oh, yeah. As as, as Alan say, said, just coming into puberty, I think you said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in his character. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah, uh, it, must have, it must have been his chin, was it? You can pack a bike in a... <laughs> the stubble and uh, Olivia. Oh yeah, see what you mean. Yeah, I like you fancy him more than Olivia. Than, well, oh. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he does have a look. Uh, he's he's no he's he's, uh, he's not my type. No. no. And how about yeah, our Olivia? 
I actually met Danny Zuko many years ago. Can you see by my my good Danny Zuko looks? I remember yeah, that. Darren, I remember that. Darren's my tape. That's not Danny Zuko. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. Danny Zuko many years ago. The lady you played, um, uh, what's her name? Rusty. Uh, Stockard Channing, uh, do you mean Rusty? Stockard Channing, yeah, that's the one. The one who was on? Yeah. Dancing or something like that. What, well, what What's the age on her? Ago, oh, sorry, go on. A couple of, couple of years ago, my um, daughter's one of her best friends. He's, um, he's an actor and he was in pantomime up in somewhere um, on the north coast, somewhere. Uh, somewhere near Scarborough, but it's not Scarborough. And uh, she was in the panto. So my daughter and my wife Julie went up uh, to see the panto and um, got to meet got to meet her afterwards. Oh, cool. I don't know, it's not stuff on Channing. It's it's the it's the one who Dee 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 Khan her name is. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. She was only 25 she, in the film. Yeah, she certainly looks about 26 now. <laughs> so the final scene, the final scene where the carnival took place, used yeah. John Marshall High School, and it was oh. filmed at Hazard Hazard Park in LA. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, so it was a high school, but the, uh, it was actually at a, as you said, a yeah. carnival type thing. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you you know, she, if, she, if, she, if she called me tonight, yeah. I'd make her a cup of tea. That's for sure. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you changed yeah. your tune now. Well, I've had second thoughts. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're warming to that sex on a stick now. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of that saying before in my life. You've never heard of that? No, no. Just, uh, just like lollipops. <laughs> like something on a stick. Uh, oh, that's another film, that is, isn't it? Uh, I'll capture. Lollipops. <laughs> yeah, that scared me. Okay. Um, just in case anyone has heard my, my question and they're wondering, Olivia Newton-John was 28. And 28. Wow, was Je she? She looked so much younger. Jeff Conaway was 26 yeah, and Stockard uh, Channing was 33. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Soccer Channing was that was that the uh, the dark haired girl? The rusty, wasn't it? The, yeah, I think. Rusty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just quick. I, I bought. I remember buying Harry Nilsson Schmilson in Scarborough when the the one time I went there. Oh, did you? Yeah, Schmilson. I got that on. Um, that was a record stay one a few years ago. Yeah, I remember you picking it up, and I was thinking I paid two pounds for that in Scarborough. Yeah. <laughs> Going back yeah. in there. It's uh, half white, half yellow. Oh, right, because nice. well, it's grey with yellow and white on the album, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nice he's in his dressing gown type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, I think we've done, we done go. a good job there. Good work. If you've so, just picked one of the, the best selling singles ever, then I don't think you can do any better than that. No, but <laughs> you can certainly try. You can certainly try. So, Darren, why don't you try yeah, that? I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Okay, I've gone for one. Actually, um, one of our listeners, Patrick Moore, who I believe listens to pretty much all of our shows. He's only watching the Sky at Night, isn't he? <laughs> no, not that one. Not that one. Oh. <laughs> but um, he suggested this one, but I, I'd already selected it for today, which was interesting. Um, it was originally released in 1986. Re-released in 1989 with new cover artwork and a different B-side as well. 
Not quite sure why it was re-released. One of you guys might know in a minute. Um, Mark, you might be interested in this. It was shot in the band's hometown of Guidor, County Donegal. Uh huh. Yeah. I have indeed. I have indeed went to the Guild there, yeah. Okay, so that, that might give you a clue. Um, it's uh, th this band were very, very well known, but the singer that sang with them, a chap called Bono, is slightly more well known, I would say. Um, the song is "In a Lifetime," which was part of a plan ad. Um, it's just the song is fantastic. It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it, even after all these years. It's set in a kind of really dark, stormy, uh, on a beach and in the forest, really atmospheric. And Bono's voice, along with uh, the lead singer Moya Brennan, just complement each other superbly. Uh, it's just beautiful. And it's, it shows that Bono, he's got this loud, booming voice very often, but he can really hold it back when he wants to and just... It's just stunning. Really, really good. Um, it's Clanad's most successful song. And it's also Bono's most successful solo effort as well. That's, oh. Yeah, without you too. Um, so that's why I've gone for that one. So short and sweet, but I'm more interested to see what you guys think of it. Yeah, fantastic choice. Um, yeah, big, big shout out to Patrick. Uh, th mm. This is a great song. And it reminds me, it came out, did it come out in 84? Was it 84 you said? Yeah, originally. 86, yeah, it came out. Yeah. I just remember it being at the height of the troubles and uh, the song coming out of uh, Clannad and Bono, this great collaboration and, and the video was quite haunting and yeah, uh, I would have been up in the guild talk, I was about 14, so it was a year after this was released and uh, Gridor is on the, it's, it's near the Mount Derrigal and I stayed in a place called Dunlouis and we, we used to pass Clannad's house, uh, I think they they had a wee place, well, actually, big place uh, near Bunbeg, the family home. And of course, Enya is uh, amongst that posse. But uh, yeah. this is a, a great show. Do you know, this wasn't even on my radar. I know massively. Yeah. Yeah. This, this should have been, this should have been in my top five. It. Yeah. It's not so you think Such, about it and hear it again that you revisit it. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, as, as you say, it could, it could be, it's a fine solo effort by Bono. And yeah. I didn't realise uh, his vocal range until I heard it on uh, on the track with Clannad. Yeah. It is pretty extensive. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this, they came out with Harry's Game. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the theme, <clears throat> theme programme, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and I don't know, some people said that Harry's Game was uh, political because, oh, it was on a, maybe our listeners can tell us, but um, I think it was on a, program that had something to do with the, the the Irish Troubles where Kenneth Branagh was in it. I think it was called Billy. It was about a young lad growing up in Belfast. I'm not sure if it was on that show, but uh, uh, yeah, Harry's Game was uh, I'll have to look it up. Keep talking, but uh, yeah, such a good show. Well it done. Like well done Daz. Looks like Alan's got something to show us again. Yeah, I could, this could be a bit uh, what's the word? Contentious. Uh, the actual release is only credited to Planet. Really? Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. controversy on a Sunday morning. What is it? Uh, I think they've misprinted the label. There is a, a promo. promo there. Yeah, that's that is a promo. promo you've got there. Not for sale. It does I, actually I saw say. I somewhere. It somewhere says, 
says Bono never played. vocals by Bono, so I think just let you in on the technicality. Yeah, I'll have that. Yeah. This is a lovely, uh, lovely copy. Cost me 50 pence. (laughs) Nice. Nice promo. Double-sided promo. Excellent. Yeah. That's amazing. Plays like a dream now. Such a short song as well. Just over three minutes. It could easily be uh, double that and still be amazing. Just 3.08. Yeah. Yeah, it could be double that, that song, and you'd still enjoy it. Yeah. It's from the album Makala. Makala? Yeah, it's that that eighth album as well. So I don't know whether, I don't know, Harry's gave us the same kind of era as well, wasn't it? Mm. Nothing massive that I know of, but the first seven albums. Yeah. No, it's a lovely, lovely song. Good choice, Daz. Yeah, Yeah, excellent choice. I often get that one out and just stick on three minutes. Mm. Wow. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. Well done, Patrick, as well. Well done, Patrick. Yeah. 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 Keep watching the stars wherever you are. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Moore. Who could do Patrick Moore impersonation? I just think that's a great name, to be honest. I'm seeing him next month. Oh, cool. I wonder if he's he's anything but Christy. Actually, you have to come up with another brilliant choice, but I won't mention it until the end, in case one of you guys has got it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Um, Mark, your turn then. Alrighty. Okay. This is of, well, one of my favourite singers, uh, Worst Albums, uh, released in 1986. It was an album he released... Um, Shortly after, um, actually, no, it would have been would have been before or in around the time the birth of birth of his first daughter, and uh, he was married to um, the uptown girl Christine Brinkley, hmm. and uh, he obviously went through this phase. He wrote this amazing album called uh, "An Innocent Man" in nineteen eighty three. Wrote it in about seven weeks, dedicated the entire album to Christine Brinkley, and then obviously he made he he fell madly in love with her. Uh, and a bit like Rory McIlroy, um, he got married and went off his game a little bit. But there was a diamond in the coal, and it's a song called Baby Grand. It's a duet with Ray Charles, the great Ray Charles. <clears throat> it was the fourth and final single from the album. Um, Baby Grand is obviously the two of them are pianists, and it's about uh, their love for the piano, but it was also a dedication to his uh, his daughter um his daughter's called alexa ray and ray being named after uh, ray charles so if you've never heard heard the song uh, you should give it a listen I, I just think it's a it's a it's quite a melancholic um it could be a love song but it's actually a love song about their love for playing the piano and how it uh, it lifts their moods and uh, it it, it it uh, has, has has got them through adversity in life. Um, so uh, yeah, see what you think of it. Short and sweet, a bit like yours, guys. Yeah, perfect. I, I honestly, I love Billy Joel, but I don't think I'm aware of this song at all. So it's going to be a great one for me to listen to later on. I'm not familiar yeah, with it. There's, yeah, it's got a. Do you know, it's it's got a bit a bit of a mix of New York State of Mind meets Georgia on my mind to it. You can just tell, uh, I mean, Billy wrote it 
Ray took part in it, but there's there's obviously a huge Ray Charles influence on it. So uh, yeah, give it give it a whack. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know it, Dave? I don't. No, no. It's. Uh, um, I'm kind of thinking maybe I've heard it, but it hasn't hasn't stuck stuck with me. So um, I'm, I'm. I've already added it to our playlist. So uh, listeners can there. tune in. Not on there anymore. That's. I love that album. Yeah. So that's that. That album is an asset, man. That's what he wrote in seven seven weeks. That is. <clears throat> oh, right. that, I thought you said was this was the babe was the, um, baby Britain, baby Graham. Is that on here? No, it's on, yeah. it's on an album. It's all a, a really, well, comparatively poor album called The Bridge. Oh, right. But, yeah. uh, so, so The Bridge was the album between An Innocent Man, that came out in 83, and then uh, Stormfront, that came out in 89. Yeah, right. that's the yeah. album. That's, that's the album, The Bridge. Yeah, I don't think I've played this much. There's, there's actually another good song in that called Big Man on Mulberry Street, I believe. Yeah, start side two. Yeah, he plays that a lot. He plays that a lot live, and that's a, that's actually a great song. Those are the two strongest songs on on the album. Wow, yeah, that's I good. Love, um, still in front of an, an innocent man with it, sort of my introduction to Billy Joel, really. Um, yeah, brilliant albums. Yeah, yeah, great choice. I'm sure I'm going to need to listen to that song. So. I don't think I've played that album through. I think I bought it, uh, bought loads at the time, and I maybe paid about too quick for it. Yeah. And I um, haven't really played it properly. No, there you go. That's something else you can play later then. Great choice, Mark. Right. All of us are looking forward Turner. to it. Yeah. Okay, this one's a fairly obvious one, um, but I quite like some of the backstory to, to this. It's the uh, collaboration between David Bowie and Queen. Everyone will know it. It's under pressure. It's, it transpires it's really one of those songs that shouldn't have worked. Uh, you've got Queen, who are fist-pumping, crowd-pleasing, anthem-styled uh, songs. You've got you've got Brian May's guitar. You've got Mercury's booming voice. And then you've got Bowie, who's a rock chameleon. Um, and at the beginning of the 80s, when, when this was recorded, he was going through one of his darker phases. He hadn't quite broken out to the... He was just about to embark on his Let's Dance. He hadn't really got away from that. So it's it's one of those that, that nearly didn't happen. Plus, there was a lot of tension when it was being recorded. There were two different arrangements. Bowie had an arrangement which he was really trying to push and make sure that, that, that they were going to go with his, and he was threatening to hold up the release. But somehow, they managed to get get agreement and consensus and as a result they obviously came out with a song that was hugely successful um it's number one in the uk i think it was only the second queen song to reach number one that's correct yeah yeah so yep. and the one before that was maybe an absolute yeah yeah so they'd have others like Crazy Little Thing Called Love, uh, We Are The Champions, Somebody To Love, Killer Queen. But they only got as far as number two, but, but this one gave them that little bit of boost. Um, look, it, it, for me, I think the video just captures it, doesn't it? It was just at the right time to, to see the videos and see these, these two on stage um, doing their thing. The, the, there is the... A story that there was a lot of you know there's five brooding egos 
who were really at each other most of the time. And I guess in terms of group dynamics, Queen had, had had the experience, they they had their groove, they knew what they were doing, and having a fifth person who we all know is you know, he, he knows what he wants and he'll push and, and, and make sure that he gets what he wants. He was having to do some accommodating as well. So I think it was probably a very good lesson for him in doing that. Um, so that that is my selection for my third one. Gotta go to Mark first, Joy, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what can you say? I mean, it is, it, um, it's, it's their second, second number one. And, uh, I mean, posthumously later on in, in, in 91, they released Bohemian Rhapsody as a double A side with These Are the Days of Our Lives. Oh. So posthumously, they had another number one oh, for right. Freddie Mercury. But yeah, so but what I would say is um, under pressure, one, one, of, one of the greatest, I, I, I didn't choose it because I didn't want to be obvious with, with Queen and, again. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but how, how can you leave this one out? It's just, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And as you oh. say, the video, it marks the time in 1981 when we're we're in in the throes of Thatcherism, and Reagan has just um, you know he, yeah. he's just entered the uh, the White House, and uh, things are on a nosedive. Uh, it's just before the miners' strike, and the the unsung hero I think in this in, in this adventure is uh, John Deacon, the bass guitarist for Queen. So at the time, he really was um, on a roll. With songwriting, he'd come out with uh, another one, Bice the Dust. Uh, he had a few other uh, mi- minor songs that didn't make the charts. Uh, they stayed on the albums. But then he came out with I Want to Break Free a couple of years later. Uh, so I- I'd say that he had a, a big say in this. He-, he would have been the quiet man in the room and uh, written a lot of the music and probably um, helped with the-, the David Bowie, Freddie Mercury relationship as well. Two massive egos. Um, well, yeah, great choice. What can you say? You yeah. can't say anything more than put it in there as a as a homage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really good song. And obviously we've got to thank Vern very much for that, as we wouldn't have had Vanilla Ice either, would we? <laughs> <laughs> right, Darren, I'm coming down now. I'm having a word with you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> Bloody awful. I saw, I saw that... Uh, cover uh, queen actually there's a story behind that uh, queen demanded um because it was such a shit song uh queen didn't didn't let them get away with vanilla ice get away with it and they demanded eight percent of the royalties and they got it Did they but, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> uh I, I i saw it but played on top of the pops oh, a few months ago you know it was covering i don't know rap or whatever you know the way they have uh and vanilla ice was on it and yeah. the words, the words to it. Have you ever read the lyrics to it? Oh, I used I, to know them. Pretty awful. Yeah. You know what? If I was Freddie. I'd have demanded ninety nine <laughs> and sprinkle and nuts. Brilliant. This is why you're here, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dad jokes. Nothing like them. Yeah. No. Brilliant choice, David. Uh, yeah, I think. Great. Well, one was always going to creep in is in. The true sense of the word of collaboration. Yeah. But yeah. I think we have to let one in. So yeah, we're okay. going to let one in. Thank you. You're very kind. Like I, think, I think they actually recorded it, they recorded it in Montreal. They did indeed, yeah. yeah. It was impromptu as so, well. It was very impromptu, yeah. Queen, 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 Queen were recording the uh, 
I think the god awful album Hot Space. Well, I, actually, I look back at it with kindness. It's just it's it's not a crap album. It's just different. Um, I like they it. Were, yeah, yeah. I, it's it, it's a grower. But uh, they were they were recording, I believe, Hot Space uh, after their fantastic success of the game. And um, yeah, Bowie popped in to say hello in Montreux, and uh, they ended up jamming and coming out the filter. I think on the CD version of Hot Space, you do get this. You do get the track, don't you? You do indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's here. Here's here's a little known fact about a little known fact about Under Pressure. Um, you get two versions of Queen's Greatest Hits. One was uh, first press that didn't have Under Pressure on it, and the second press had oh. Under Pressure on it. Oh. Yeah. Curious. There you go. Okay. No pressure. Which one I got? No pressure. No pressure. Alan, come on, lead us off with your last one. Right. Um, yeah, this was. Uh, I'm not sure how many people will remember this one or or can relate to it. Um, this was uh, written by uh, a guy called Bill Sharp and Gary Webb, uh, also known as Gary Newman, and uh, they. Uh, got together in uh, 1985 to record uh, a track called Change Your Mind. So, a bit of background here. Bill Sharp is the keyboard uh, player from the jazz funk band Shack Attack, um, famous for instrumentals uh, such as, uh, well, basic invitations. Sorry, bass. Mostly instrumental tracks, but things like tracks like Nightbirds and Invitations, they're big hits in the early 80s with those. Um, and uh, he's a really clever guy. I've actually seen Shack Attack since a couple of times, and they're very, very good live. Um, but um, what happened was they they see, they were working in the same studio, uh, and they suddenly got together uh, and decided to put a track called uh, Change Your Mind. And um, so it's it's quite. Um, there's the cover of the twelve inch. Yeah, it, it's in a, Gary Newman doesn't doesn't hasn't actually written it. It was written by Bill Sharp and his fellow uh, 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 chap in um, Shack Attack. He's the drummer Roger O'Dell. And uh, yeah, but they got this and, and they basically put this together. I think it did very well in the chart. So it's um, it's quite a nice uh, melodic tune. And you've got, um, you know, Gary Newman sort of singing in the background um, to it. Um, now, when I researched this, I thought, well, this was like going to be like a one-off. Uh, but they actually did other singles afterwards, they actually in 1986, 88. And uh, then eventually, the, the album actually, there's an album came out in 1989. Oh, right. um, I say, I've, I've seen uh, Shack Attack live a few times, and they're very good. And uh, of course, Gary Newman, he's still going. Just a few weeks ago, he um, you know, released, sorry, he released a new album called Intruder. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice one on the, oh. on the Polydor record label, so I love. Nice. And uh, oh, it clocks nice. in the 12 inch version is 8 minutes 30 seconds. 
So, yeah, proper, brilliant, you know, extended version there. And um, yeah, it's just an unusual co- collaboration, really, but it somehow it works. And um, yeah, I don't know how brilliant. many people would know it or remember it. But I thought I'm just yeah, gonna, I, I just do remember it. It's, it's an alternative. Uh, I do remember it. Now, it's, it's a, a very unusual choice, but um, it's quite haunting, that song. I, I remember it being melodic, but haunting. I mean, Gary Newman has that yeah. type of voice, doesn't he? It's, it, yeah. it is almost... Got angel minds, everybody looks the same. It's a bit like David Bowie, right? Yeah. I thought it was your Bruce Forsyth. It's like Alistair McGowan's just joined us. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Nothing for a pet. Not in this guy. Love it. That's another song. Yeah, that's a little bit of a curveball. That one, I don't think, would be on many people's top four. Um, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking. Uh, I'm just thinking of Bruce Forsyth on Player Cards, right? Coming yeah. out with ch- just singing "Change Your Mind" to someone. Well done, you two. <laughs> yeah. Actually, see, I went to see that live. Yeah, back in the day. Oh, uh, player Cards, right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole of the brands. Well, we got tickets. <laughs> To go down and see it being performed live, uh, recorded live, it was really funny. I mean, he's so funny, Bruce Forsyth. But the interesting thing was, um, like the producer at the time was a guy who went on to uh, one of those, um, he was the executive producer, I can't remember his name now, but he went on to be uh, one of the panelists on things like X Factor or something before that. Oh, Uh, no, it was Pop Pop Idol. Pop Idol, wasn't it? No? Something like that. Oh, Pop, Pop Idol was BBC, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't there. Uh, I can't think of his name now, but he went on to be very... Nigel Lithgow. Nigel Lithgow, yeah. Nasty Nigel. Yeah, but it's... Um, was, that Mrs. Jo- was, was that Mrs. Jones shouting that one in? No, that was Charlotte. Charlotte? Well done, Charlotte. 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 And give her a credit. Hi. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Hello. <laughs> have you have you recovered? Hi. Hi. You recovered from the yeah. other day? Uh, well, almost. It right. was yeah. It was a lot queuing yesterday. I said it was my last time that I would do it. But, oh um, yeah, right. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. Charlotte, last time I saw you was uh, 2013 in Birmingham. Of course, yeah, oh, yeah. you Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I didn't, I didn't recognise the name down the bottom. That's why. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, pseudonym. Yeah, Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we just talked about Billy Joel a few seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah, good, good to see you. Yeah, well, that, it was brilliant. <clears throat> Alan, tell me if I told if I told this before. Did you know that um, there are a few people in in the bank in that west down in the southwest who ran the Bruce Forsyth Appreciation Society? Yeah, and, and he well they, done those two. Well done. <laughs> I think that I think they end up with a piece of string with a sponge and on top of the sponge. They had um, 
was it sandpaper <laughs> to try and get it to try and look a little bit like they all wore the same outfits and and they had great yeah. fun and and he played <laughs> up to them as well so anyone well, listening want to tell me who else i think it was john hollicum down down in uh down in plymouth who ran that all right <laughs> oh well that's a joy big shout out to john yeah nice to see you all take care thank you we can do uh, our next podcast all dressed as bruce why not? Yeah. And the listeners will love it. Bruce. Actually, I know Bruce, someone yeah. in the I know yeah, someone in the group. I'll bring him on. <laughs> but it was good because because they filmed two shows. And of course, you know, he gets to know the audience, you know, quite well and, and started recorded a um started recording the second show. And uh, he goes, Oh well, well, welcome to the you know, the play your cards right. Uh, uh, I tell you what he said, this audience is so much better than last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That's yeah. So, so that was your choice, Gary Newman and Bill Sharp. Yeah. Um, I love it. And somehow, and somehow we ended up talking for 10 minutes about Bruce Forsyth and Sarah <laughs> Carter. Easily done. Yeah. It is a mistake. You just slip into it and, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Wander off. Yeah. Anyway, it. that's me done now. Thank you very much for right. that. It's my mind. Okay. Going back to me, aren't we? Is yes, right? it's up with you. Up yeah. with right. you. Well, Alan was just talking about curveballs, and I actually I wrote down at the very top of mine here that I've thrown a curveball at myself. And I wrote that down before you said curveballs a minute ago, Alan. And I was thinking of duets, and obviously I was looking at songs that have meant a lot to me over the years. I was going to put in, I'm pretty sure you guys won't have this, but I was going to go for a Catherine Wheel track with Tanya Donnelly, Judy Staring at the Sun. I was looking at U2 ones, Bono solo ones with somebody else, and looking at Mark Almond and all sorts of different things, Stevie Nicks. But I I went for something that has confused me as to why I have, but it's a song I heard a long time ago. It's a French language song. And it was around the time, well, I heard it around the time, kind of Vanessa Parody, uh, Jola Taxi, Plastic Bertrand. Um, and it just, it stayed with me just because it's just so super cool, so laid back, it could be asleep. Um, it's it's a product of its time, but it's still, when you watch it now, it's just, it's amazing. And I was a big fan of the movie at the time as well which uh, stuff Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, I think. So it's Bonnie and Clyde. And it was by Serge Gainsborough and Bridget Bardot. Oh, yeah. The beautiful Bridget Bardot. Um, it's just such a sophisticated, sensual video um, based on the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and it just, it just did something to me back then. Maybe it was Bridget Bardot. I don't know, perhaps. Um, and it's, not, it's, it's not a song that I've ever really listened to again until recently. And I listened to it a couple of weeks ago and thought, why have I not listened to this again? Um, I don't know if you know it. I expect David, I'm probably sure will know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course I know it. Um, did this get banned by the BBC or not? But, oh, I don't know. Not that I've seen, but it may have it's done. Probably because we in england don't understand the lyrics but there's yeah. a, there, there's a line in there uh, quand je te glisse entre les reins 
when I slide yeah. in between your kidneys, but that I means it's about anal sex. Oh, really? <laughs> Ooh, On the, wow. Um, or it's a euphemism. Sorry for for it. Uh, okay. But I mean the sock. Go on, Mark. Uh, no, I was just going to say, as you do down in Devon and Cornwall. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> use 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 euphemisms, yeah. Uh, do you mind if I do you mind if I slide in between your kidneys here? Uh, <laughs> oh, but of course. Uh, love uh, it. Yeah, a bit further south. Not the Alan Price version. I'm thinking of then. Uh, there was a Georgie Fame version. Georgie Fame, sorry, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Georgie Fame and yeah, Alan Price. Did Georgie, <laughs> Fame wrote the, did Georgie Fame write the lyric? No, no completely, completely different song. Oh, don't, don't be confused at all between those two. Yeah, very different. Yeah, I just couldn't see that. Style, yeah. I can yeah. I, I've heard that song a few times and I don't remember the word kidneys. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think Georgie Fame didn't do any sliding between kidneys. Oh, yeah. oh, you couldn't get it. Sliding between your kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would be body and slide. Hey. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Just. Do yourself a favour. Do yourselves a favour and watch that video later on. It is, yeah. it's very definitely. Yeah, done in 1968, but yeah, well worth a watch. So when you, when you started off, I thought you were going to um, that this one was in my top. I'd say top six, uh, not not the Bonnie and Clyde one, but Je T'aime Moi Non Plus. Oh yeah, yeah. With uh, Serge Gainsbourg and Jane Birkin. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure Alan could do it so much better than me, but um. Uh, I thought you were going to choose that one, but uh, right. I, I, I can categorically say it, but I've never heard of Sliding Between Kidneys and I've never heard of the song. Oh, so uh, I'm looking forward to giving, giving it a, a listen and a, and a Definitely yeah. looking forward to watching it. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's a real treat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Well done. One of things. I knew the song. So I know the song, but I don't know that song. I know a song called Pony and Fly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, it's easy to get confused between the two until you've seen them, and then they're very different entities. Yeah. Oh, a great choice, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Mark, French. off you go. Well, I don't know how you top that, but uh, I'm, I'm going from Serge Gainsbourg, who wrote about it, to a man who loved sliding between kidneys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... This one is uh, by the great, I love him so dearly, miss him so dearly, Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballé. Uh, the song was written in 1987. Uh, Freddie pronounced that uh, Caballé was one of the most beautiful women he'd ever met. He was completely besotted by her and always thought of himself as a, a wannabe opera singer he, he didn't i mean as powerful as he was he, he was never opera material however he definitely pulled this one off with uh, with the song as i said it was released in 87 it reached number eight in the chart um and then it was re-released -re just before the barcelona olympics in 92 and reached number two uh, sadly the olympic committee it was it was going to be used for uh, as, as a theme to the barcelona olympics in 92 but it was pulled because 
he um, he obviously died of AIDS in '91, and because there was such a, a stigma around HIV/AIDS at the time, um, the the Olympic Committee made the the, the gravely poor decision of uh, withdrawing the song from the Olympics. Um, an absolute shame. I just I just love this song so much. I remember it coming out in in '87 and thinking, wow. I mean, some of Mercury's solo efforts were at best average, um, but this one just blew me away because you know how do you how do you mash up an opera singer with a rock singer? It, it, it had never been done before, not to my knowledge anyway. And um, you know the, the video itself, the two of them, um, it was co-written with a guy called Mike Moran, or as we say, Moran over in Ireland, and uh, he's the guy who's waving the um, luminescent baton. And everybody thinks it's Brian May because of the same hairdo, but it's actually the guy co-wrote it with uh, with Mercury. Can't say anything more other than uh, the the album itself. Actually, it's been re-released on a, as a limited edition, and the the album is um, I think there's another song called How How Can I Go On, which is which is a lovely um, uh, ballad. Uh, the album itself is great. It's just it's a it's a wonderful piece of music, and, and Quebec, it was his last ever live performance. So everybody thinks Mercury's last live performance was '86 at Nipworth uh, with the kind of Magic tour, but actually his last live performance was I believe in 1988 um, at um, where was it? Uh, but he, he sang. He obviously sang a few a few songs with um, uh, with Montserrat. Um, and that was that was the last of it. Uh, three years later, he was he was no more. And Montserrat herself has passed on. But um, yeah, that's my final choice. It's a bit obvious for me, but I don't care. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's it's going in there to my top my top uh, four. Yeah, I can remember buying the CD single when it came yeah. out. Yeah, there weren't um, there weren't that many CD single coming out at that time where I remember buying that. Um, Lucky Yellow, is it Yellow Cover? Yellow Cover, I think. Lucky, I think it's a gatefold CD cover. You know, it just goes to show the genius that he, he was. Um, just, coming, you know, the, the fact that he came out with something like Damien Rhapsody 75, and I don't want to go over old territory here, but the fact that he could come up with something like that in his head and then and then come up with, all oh, right, what I, what's my next project? Um, I'll you know I'll sing an opera song about a city that obviously Montserrat Caballé is from, mm. and, um, and 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 for it to be so successful, I think she sang it before the the Champions League final in '99 between Man United and Barcelona. Yeah, she sang it live uh, with yeah. with a, a recording of Mercury in the background. I, I, I do. Yeah. I was working for BT. BT one, remember BT one nine two? You rang up one nine two. I was I was working for them at the time uh, as a student. Um, well, I wasn't a student. It was after my it was after my degree actually, and I was going on to do my masters. And uh, I had a part time job in BT one nine two, and I was watching the uh, the Champions League final on my break. I can I'll, I'll bore you with stories of BT one nine two another time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and I just remember her singing it beforehand. So there you go. And yes, his last performance was the 8th of October, 1988, which is actually wow. uh, my, would have been my mum's birthday. And it was at La Festival in Barcelona. 
And it was all all about the, um, that particular festival was all about the arrival of the Olympic flag from Seoul, Korea. It it had finally arrived from there Mm. to to go to Barcelona for the next Olympics. Anyway. Brilliant. I seem to remember that um, he was also a a massive fan of that, wasn't he? Of Monster Art and the music, is that right? He was indeed, yeah. Yeah, he, he was a particularly big fan of uh, her, uh, Liza Minnelli, and uh, Aretha Franklin. Right. Yeah. He, he actually, I think at his funeral, he had um, James Taylor, um, Carol King's You've Got a Friend, but it was it was sung by Aretha Franklin. So, yeah, he, he had some great, great choices in his. Um, I mean, he, he had a fantastic falsetto voice. So it was just right yeah. for opera, really, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, you know, you could just tell from, from you know, just um, from Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, just parts of that. You know, the notes he, I know, it was all done in the studio and probably overdub and overdub, etc. But um, you know, he could certainly throw his voice as. Um, yeah. As the term is often used, throw his voice. Yeah. In Barcelona. I, I just all I remember is sort of Montserrat owning the song. It's this yeah. big operatic song, but whatever Mercury did in between just worked perfectly, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Just somehow it just worked. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark, yeah. and good thing. I mean, this is a unique song in in the most positive sense possible. It, it, you'd never want no one else. From the rock pop world, could could uh, I think uh, do anything like this? Maybe, maybe Meatloaf, but it doesn't have that same personality uh, as Freddie Mercury to, to pull it off. But, um, yeah. a fantastic choice. Thanks, guys. Okay, so it's over to me. Last one, nearly there, guys. Flying for it. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think maybe more than one of you wanted to put this one in, so apologies. Um, if you if you did, um, so I don't know who remembers when Rattle and Hum came out, um, what their favourite song would have been. I mean, they had Desire, All Along the Watchtower, Angels sure. of Harlem, so many great songs on there. Um, yeah. But but this started uh, their collaboration with with BB King. Started a little bit before that. He had uh, played on tour with them. Um, they they were big admirers of his, and as such, they asked invited him to to play with them in 1987. In um, that that led on to other things. Um, it was around the time of the Joshua Tree, and King himself was actually honoured to meet with the band, and to become involved with them and start working with them. And as a result, they started to to collaborate. Uh, they first performed. When Love Comes to Town, when the band were doing the Joshua Tree tour, um, I think it was in Texas, they did. They were together for the first time. I'm not sure when they would have actually recorded it for the album. Uh, and it's one of those things that it's, I think it was curious because both the, the, the band were in complete admiration of, of him. Conversely, you had B.B. King, who was a little bit awed because he's with this big band, but not only 
did it work well for both of them, but then became a real career boost. I mean, I can remember B.B. King, suddenly we started to see him on top of the pops and releasing albums which were doing well. So uh, it worked very well for both of them. Um, it, it's, it's a song, hopefully most people will know it and they recognise it. It was one of those which, for me, it really grabbed me when Rattle and Hum came out. And I suppose it was a bit confused. You had an album which was part studio, part live recordings, but this one blew me away. And uh, yeah, if if I need to have seen that one live, I don't know if anyone else has or anyone has seen that live. It would be just great to see BB there doing his thing um, and and with the rest of the band behind him. This this is an excellent choice, and I've I've had the privilege of seeing both you two and BB King live, mm. and uh, not at, not at the same time though. Um, I, I, you know, as 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 we've said before, I saw you two on their zoo tour and on their their pop tour. Uh, I haven't mentioned her away, Jenny Kerr. Uh, <laughs> we're the second, the second game. You're running out of time, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just I thought it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and and BB King, I actually the only thing I've bloody well won in my life. Um, I was on the Royal Mile and I went into the the whiskey shop on the Royal Mile at the top of the Royal Mile, and um. I was buying a, a bottle of Talisker and the guy said, Oh, would you like to go in for a draw? And uh it's for to see it's to see Baby King at the Princess Street Gardens. I thought, why not? I'll go in there and next thing I got a I got a phone call. And that was it. Oh, Two man. tickets to see Baby King. Oh. And he was and he was epic. He was absolutely epic. He he, he was great. And th- and this is a fine song and a fine album. I'd say my favourite track on that is all i want is you angel of Heart, heartland i love heartland which is the song that comes right after that god, it's, um, fantastic song. god part two yeah uh, the whole album knows it's one of those it's seamless albums well. yeah yeah it kind of shouldn't work should it she shouldn't have those two things together the, the studio yeah. and the live elements but it does but it's it's another one of those things. I know you two had a lot of uh, like bluesy, and and when especially when they went to the states in the mid eighties, um, you know the southern belt was was a big influence on them. Uh, but this is one of those collaborations. You think surely not? I mean, BB King did similar with um, Eric Clapton. Um, it was something like BB Eric and BB on the road or something like that. I don't know. What it was. Um, but this, this was a great call from whoever called it, probably Bono, um, to say, do you fancy doing a, doing a tune with us? It works so well. Did they release this as a single? Yeah, um, I've got a 3D single. It's um, uh, three inch. It comes in a yeah, long box. box. I got that one. It's in a box, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. I've got it upstairs somewhere. Um, but it, yeah, the, the, the um, the theme running through all the releases, of course, everything um, and the accompanying film it was all shot in black and white, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, so, and then, of course, all the associated packaging with the, you know, the singles and uh, the album itself is all black and white pictures. Yeah. Um, I think it was Anton Corbin made of. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did the record to that all of that. Yeah, and um, yeah, so you know, just I mean, I mean and they say, you know. It's just not the music alone, you know. It's the everything else that comes through it. The, the packaging uh, all adds to the all adds to it, doesn't it? 
I always remember the start of it, like the rolling ocean and Van Diemen's Land playing in the background. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, just set the yeah. scene for a brilliant album and movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I remember actually, that must have been 80, was it 88 Rattle and Hum? It was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I remember yeah. listening to, there was Paul Gambaccini presented Live in Dublin. And I remember when Love Comes to Town, BB King came on and did it with them, and it was just stunning. I was there recording it on my tape deck. I probably still got the tape somewhere in the attic, but yeah. And I listened to the whole show and just wanted to be there. It was unbelievable. Is is it me or our tapes making a comeback? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think they might be because I I got a limited edition um, Queen Greatest Hits because it'll be the fortieth anniversary of Queen's Greatest Hits. Yeah, and they were all, all released on cassette. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, Mark. You told me about that, and I was just in time for the signed one as well. Yeah, yeah, That's and brilliant. but I've no so I've got it. Which is great. It's one of I don't know a thousand to be released, and um, I've no tape recorder. I've no tape deck. <laughs> so I'm mint. They mint forever. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit okay. They did something. I, I think they could have done a whole lot more with that, with the release. You know, commemorating forty years. Yeah. Uh, you know, could they, they come up with a slightly moderated artwork? But to, to be asking the fans to shell out for four different coloured cassettes yeah. is just smells of yeah. Well, it's, cynicism it's, is it? Taking it's taking the fans for one really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they know very well cassette is not a, is not a uh, no longer popular, you know, fully recognised you know format. Just a collectible then, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's. Um, what, yeah, what, what, I think what, they, they missed a trick there. They've not even brought out um, so, commemorative vinyl copy. Yeah, what I would say, Alan, is they probably will. Um, I think <laughs> May and Taylor, as much as I love the band, I think May and Taylor have bit, made, they've become a bit of a money-making machine with mm. uh, with all these releases. And it's just like, you know, Paul Weller, we were talking about him the other week. Yeah. You know, well, seven different... As well, yeah. You know, and and as as you say, the, the market that they're aiming for are guys like us who, you know, we're in our forties, fifties, sixties, um, mm. and we can put, touch wood. We can we can afford to yeah. uh, be a bit be a bit extravagant with our purchases. But it's um, yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. I, I was I was disappointed. I, was, I thought that it was going to be a limited edition vinyl, but you know, <laughs> it's only June in nineteen eighty. You know, eighty nineteen eighty one. So we've got another six months of 2021 to go, and they'll probably yeah. come out with the vinyl. I mean, that maybe um, you know, I don't know if you, you, I think I sent you a link about the HMV uh, centenary. Yeah. Uh, there's 30 albums coming out there. Now they did bring out a red, a red vinyl version of that out the Greatest Hits a few years ago. Um, I do know that there are some variations of that. Um, uh, I think Target got like a black and black and red mix, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe something does come out through HMV because they have had, as I say, they have had links um, on you know previous HMV days, like the Great Six Two was out on blue vinyl, and yeah. then you've had um, um, Jazz was out on pink, and then uh, you had the game out on clear. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, that it wasn't listed in the first night that came out. 
but yeah, there's the 40 people working at home. All right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rattling um, artwork. I think I paid two pounds for this. What a rip off. Wow, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. You see, good. I mean, going, go no, I was just going to say good back to David's choice. Uh, great choice. I think it's a great album. It's, it's one of those, uh, you know, after, how could you, how could you beat Joshua Tree? And uh, a lot of folk um, who weren't proper, you know, great YouTube fans like ourselves, um, slated it. They slated Rattling Hum. And I, I thought it was, it was a fantastic experiment. Yeah. You know, they, they took, they took songs from the Beatles, uh, from Bob Dylan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Jimi Hendrix, you know, mashed them all up and then stuck in a bit of blues and um you know a bit of a bit of gospel yeah and and rock and come out with this fantastic album so the u.s national anthem as well yeah yeah i think that was a a, that was a tribute probably to jimmy hendrix when he did it himself Mm. uh yeah i'm gonna give this album a listen today actually i'm in the mood i'm thinking the same yeah yeah Um, Definitely. Good choice. That's brilliant. Look, we're getting close to the end. Desire was a single, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was. That was the first single of the album, I think. Yeah, I was like, um, I I think it's a 10 inch or a 12 inch. 10 inch. Yeah. uh, Remix. Yeah, really good. I had had an Italian pen pal at the time, and uh, she was a massive U2 fan. I remember Desire came out and she wrote me a letter. This is back in what, 87, 88, yeah. 88. And uh, <laughs> it was it was just not, it was like, hi Mark, how are you? But, and then she drew me a red guitar on fire yeah. and then just wrote underneath it, Desire. I don't know where that letter is to this day. But well, that's no, just, a, yeah. it, I thought it was a nice touch. Here's another link, there's a link to you, Mark, because of the 12-inch version of of desire starts off with like um, uh, a news channel uh, report, uh-huh. and, the, and the reporter says, "In Hollywood tonight, in Hollywood tonight," on the twelve-inch uh-huh. version. So it was probably tribute to you. Now. <laughs> be, the the question was the question is who was in Hollywood that night? <laughs> who was in Hollywood that night? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. We'll never find out his name. I just want to move yeah. on to a bit. <laughs> I want to move on to a bit of admin, um, but it concerns Mark. Okay. I've, I've had a question from one of our listeners. My, right. My boss, when he'd heard the show that we did, which is what songs do your parents or did your parents love that you didn't hate? Yeah. He said that Mark Hollywood. I'm not sure if he can count himself as Irish because he's missed a song. And you, I'm going oh. to tell you what the song is, and then you tell me. Or, I don't know if you if you're going to. Check. Where's my jumper? Oh, where's my jumper? Oh, what? Dance, dancing in the disco, bumper yeah. to bumper. Wait, Wait a minute. Wait. Where's my jumper? Oh, what a tune. <laughs> the Sultans of Peng. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, shout out to oh. Seamus. That's it's amazing. So. I've got a story about the Sultans of Peng, actually. Go for it. When that song came out, they wouldn't play it down in boxes, our local nightclub. And we had to, we went and bought the single for 99p, I think, took it down and said, look, this is it. Please play it. We'll take our jumpers off and we'll dance around our jumpers. Oh. And he played it and it became a regular thing. Every Friday night, we'd take jumpers and dance around our jumpers to where's my jumper. 
I'm going to have to download that one today and um, <laughs> stick, 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 it, stick it on when I'm out in the garden. Yeah, brilliant, Sam. Da- dancing in the disco, bumper to bumper. Yeah. Wait a, wait a minute. Where's me jumper? <laughs> that is great. That's a great call. That's a great call. Uh, uh, yeah. I can't say I've ever heard of that track. Have you not? No. Oh, they were a um, crazy band. I saw them live as well. In a, a, It was at Exeter University. But not in a big hall, just in a small room. And there was about 200 of us in this small room, and it went mad. <laughs> do, do, do you know who the Sultans of Ping remind me of now? There's a band from the Isle of Lewis up, up here in Scotland. Scotland, And uh, they're called Pete and Diesel. Have you heard of them? No. no. Oh, well, you've got to right. listen to them. I'm right you've got to listen. Pete, Pete as in, like, you know, the, the, the dark stuff on the ground, and Diesel oh, right. as in... P-E-A-T and, and Diesel, obviously, as in, not petrol, but diesel. Yeah, and they are they are fantastic. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. They do a follow-up, where's my knitted sweater? <laughs> where's Where's my iron jumper? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I tell you, yeah. I was a bit of a fan. I could probably lay my hands on all, I think, five 12-inch singles of theirs I've got down here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they did Veronica and... Give him a ball and a yard of grass. Remember that? Oh, one? Veronica. Oh, yeah. yeah. What the? Uh, the what the? Uh, the, 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 the oh, Elvis Costello. Oh, I'm thinking of a different version, a different <laughs> one again. <laughs> yeah. Veronica was by uh, Elvis Costello, wasn't it? Brutal Youth. Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Ah, just okay. a couple more while we're on shout outs and things. Just a couple more that I need to mention. Some brilliant choices came through. Uh, the other one I was talking about earlier that Patrick Moore came up with was Miss Sarajevo, which was Pavarotti. And we're talking about could anyone else do an opera song yeah. like Freddie Mercury? But actually, Miss Sarajevo was pretty close. It was a really another yeah. yeah. haunting song. I thought um, that one, knew the, the actual sleeve is a massive, massive, and I mean massive, poster yeah you know it's it's a 12-inch cover yeah seven inch it opens cover. up and opens up it's massive yeah seven inch single yeah. and a 12-inch form yeah i've got yeah that one uh, so there's that one um simon messenger our listener in australia uh, came up with one i nearly put in which was judy staring at the sun um by Catherine whale and tanya donnelly from belly if you've not heard oh. that that's a beautiful song and i'm a big Catherine whale fan as well um a song called Chow by Lush and Jarvis Cocker, which literally he's just typed that one onto the group while we've been recording. And oh. I don't remember it. So sorry, Simon, but I'm going to have a listen to that. Um, and another regular listener, Kieran O'Sullivan, came up with Stevie Nicks. It's Peter O'Sullivan. Peter O'Sullivan, this bad side. <laughs> Kieran, you've got your own chant from Alan there. <laughs> There's Stevie Nicks and Tom. Kieran Hattie. O'Sullivan. Brian Adams and Al C. And one we missed, I don't know how. How do we all miss this one? Fairy Tale of New York. Oh, no. Right. Now, now that was given to me by uh, a pal of mine in Edinburgh this morning uh, as I was out for my dog walk. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, I was basically just texting saying, oh, I better get back. I need to get back for um, for 9.30. And uh, what's the theme today? And I said, oh, it's duets. And I said, first thing he said, surely Fairy Tale of New York. Yeah. And, and, and I said, no, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't think yeah. we were going to do bands. I could have had that Simple Minds one there. I'm just <laughs> No, I can't have two bands. 
No. No, that's a great, that's a great shout as well. Fairy Tale in New York. There's, there, there are so many, and so many I haven't heard. Uh, you know, just that you've, you've mentioned there, Darren. Like Stern Star, at the Sun. I, I've never heard of that one. So. Yeah, really nice. You have a listen to that. And the things like, well, when Love Comes to Town was one I probably would have put in if David yeah. hadn't. I think that's one Kieran. Oh, Kieran started predicting as well yeah. what we're all going to put in, guys. Um, <laughs> and he, he wasn't far away today, but not quite on it. Um, did he have Bill? Did he have Sharp and Newman? I don't think so. <laughs> no, he didn't have Al. <laughs> yeah, he never knew that. <laughs> did, yeah, did he guess that it would lead on Bruce Forsyth and play your cards right? Oh, yeah. I think he did. Yeah, he got that spot on. <laughs> That's <laughs> He's got a new one now. Why are you kidding these guys? <laughs> I really want it as well. I've got you under my skin, my Sinatra and Bono. Oh, that nearly made uh, it. Ah, yeah, that's that's another one. Yeah, that was and I got got you under my skin. I remember that one. I thought, you know, when that came out, I thought it was a little bit up his own arse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no offense, but I just thought. <laughs> yes, you made offense. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no offence. <laughs> but you know, it was dead at the time, wasn't it? It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's, it's like really, yeah. it's, it's, it's like that woman on the the fast show. Um, I can't remember her name, but uh, oh, yeah. she she plays this fantastic yeah. character in the in the perfume. Yeah, she's a, she's in the, uh, she's no offence, but yeah, I thought yeah. I thought Bono was going through one of those phases of like. Sinatra's dead, and then he starts singing the duet with Sinatra. Yeah, I got you under my skin. Uh, I thought, come on, get a grip of yourself. Classic corner. Yeah, yeah. You go. he's not shy. Goes like this, Joan Collins. For the benefit of the listeners, it's a character in the fast show. <laughs> it's played by. It's, she's she's played. Her name's come. It's, her name's come to my mind now. It's played by Arabella Weir. That's yeah. it. And, and she's kicked up in fake tan and she wears pink top to toe and uh, what she'll do is she'll come up to someone and it's like a John Lewis in the perfumery section and she'll say no offence but <laughs> and then she'll go, she'll go into saying something it's like it's like it's, it's like it's like it's C90 or something by the Daddy O. What was it called? Right. Bow Wow Wow. Bow Wow Wow. Is that Arabella Weir? Mm. No. I think that's Bow Wow Wow. That's Annabelle, isn't it? That's Annabelle. Yeah. Annabelle Weir. Yeah, not Arabella. That's right. Guys, I want to talk about the next couple of shows. Sorry, Mark, you got something else you want to just chip in? No, 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 no. I think Alan said it all today. He pretty much has. Yeah, it's early. We shouldn't do this early, should we? I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think. I think he's still pissed from last night. I, I'm no, convinced of it. <laughs> no. A quick one then about Sorry. the next couple of shows. Um, thinking we might do a little bonus one, uh, an RSD, a record store day one, to have a chat maybe about yeah. what we picked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, good. yeah, so yeah. we can do that. Yeah. And then for after that, how about we? pick a, a year um, I've got my random generator here what's another year so we're we he did... was from the uh, the northern part of the island of Ireland Donny Logan Logan <laughs> he lost me completely there um, we did we year? did a single yeah we did a single last time so let's do a let's do an album next time and I'm just doing a generator and it's come up with 1972 
Oh, that is that, David. David, that is just freaky weird. Go, why? That is freaky weird because I have written 1972 down. Why? Oh, come on. It's just as a, just as a, a random year, 1972. That's the year. <clears throat> okay? He's writing it. <laughs> yeah, he is, yeah. He's really down there. <laughs> Apparently, that was the year that somebody on this podcast was born. Ooh. There you go. Oh, oh, well, what about you then? Yeah, it's me. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I we want one for yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you? Yeah. You need one for next year. Yeah. You need one for next year to remember Darren's big one. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, in, oh. Oh, we're back to who's in Hollywood tonight. Who's in Hollywood? <laughs> in Hollywood tonight. And what are we doing with 1972? Yeah. Uh, LPs. Albums. Albums. LP. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, well, four again? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we have to change the name of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay, guys, I think let, let's let's do a wrap. I know, Darren, you're uh, you're coming to town. I'll see you in the, or see you in the railway. Or you let me know when you're leaving. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you are know. Are you all going as well, are you? Why not? It'd be rude not to. I might have to change this T-shirt. I don't think I'd get away with it in there, though. <laughs> so where are you going to watch the football? I, I think I'm, if I'm back here in time, there's a, a space for me down at a table at our local pub. So. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, is there football on? Is there, is there football? Oh, I'll tell you. Um, is there football can, can, on? Kelly's Irish, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we have. Yeah. <laughs> We have absolutely zero, uh, with neither north nor south at the Euros this year. Bit of a shame. So uh, I'll be cheering on Scotland. Cheering on Scotland. Oh, have you heard the um, Have you heard the Welsh song? Brilliant. No. Not heard it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you can play it. Oh, are going to play us out yeah, with well. it? Oh no, I've not heard it. I heard they've done that actually. Yeah. Nice. Sorry. And it's just showing well, the what's it well, called? God. Lovely, it's um, it's got the Barry horns in it as well. Oh, that's good. Uh, the um, playing it in, in it, yeah, it's a good song, actually. Nice, good song. No, I'm biased at all, but yeah, that was a record store day. Okay, guys, let's say goodbye and we'll meet up again, um, shortly. Cheers, guys. All the best. Thanks, all. Bye bye. Good day.